Chapter number two, Luke chapter number two tonight, Luke chapter number two, as I've already mentioned to you uh, this morning and again this evening, we're looking at uh, four different songs of praise uh, that we find in Luke chapter one and Luke chapter number two this morning. Uh, we were at the end of Luke chapter number one and we looked at the uh, Zacharias's song of praise. And uh, this evening, we're going to be in Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 25. And uh, next Sunday uh, morning, we're going to look at uh, the uh, Mary's song of praise, and then next Sunday night, we're going to look at the shepherd's or the angel's song of praise. Uh, and so we'll look forward to uh, those two uh, messages next week. We look forward to what God has for us uh, this evening. Praise should be a part of the life of of the Christian. And anytime we talk about our Lord and our salvation, there should just be a song of praise that comes uh, forth from our, our lips. And I know a lot of times we complain, don't we? Uh, we're, we're, we're professionals at that. Uh, but we ought to think about the Lord, think about what he's done for us and say, well, pastor, there's so much to complain about. Well, there's so much to praise God for. And uh, we, we complain less when we praise God more. And it's called about perspective, keeping our eyes on the, uh, right, the right thing. And so uh, I, I, uh, look, I enjoyed this morning. I look forward to this evening uh, as we look at the, uh, the circumstances around uh, the birth of our Savior. It reminds me of how much is in the Word of God. You and I will never master this book. No matter how much we study it, how many times we read it, and, and often uh, Luke chapter 2, we know that's the Christmas story, and uh, we read that and the birth of our Savior, and that gets the focus, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's so much in the Bible surrounding the circumstances of our Savior's birth. And we look at one, uh, another interesting story tonight, beginning with verse number 25 of Luke chapter number 2, and we'll read down through verse 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was, a, was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. That would be a good testimony for anybody right there. Uh, verse number 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law... Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon <coughs> blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Tonight we're going to look at this man, Simeon, and we're going to look at Simeon's song of praise. And we're going to find a wonderful testimony of a, of a faithful man of God. We're going to find a wonderful truth in this song of praise that I hope that you and I can relate to tonight and be reminded uh, of some wonderful things about our Lord. Father, help us tonight once again as we look into your word. And Father, we certainly uh, rejoice in the fact that you sent your son. We rejoice in his coming to be uh, God with us, Emmanuel. 
Father, we are reminded of why he came, so that he might pay for the sins of all men. We're thankful for that. We're grateful for our salvation tonight. Father, I pray if there's one in this service who's unsaved, they've never trusted Christ, may today be their day of salvation. May they realize that there is a need uh, for salvation, a need of a Savior, and Christ is that Savior. Uh, he is the way, the truth, the life. May we be reminded that no man can come to you except through Christ. Father, may we be reminded of what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. May we be determined to be a light to this world so others may uh, see Christ in us and through us. And Father, I pray that you'd help your people, bless them tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Simeon is a fascinating character, and tucked in the pages of Scripture, there are some seemingly unknown uh, Bible characters that often get overlooked uh, that we do not fully understand uh, their relationship with the Lord and what God's uh, opinion is of them. Simeon is one that I think that sometimes gets lost in the, this story, in this chapter, but certainly uh, we find what God thinks about Simeon. As we look at this man, Simeon, and we consider him uh, in the context of the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ child being born, uh, the Bible tells us in verse 25 that he was just and devout. He was just and devout, which that tells us he had the right relationship with man and God. Uh, he was just, meaning his relationship with men was right. This was the kind of man who tried to treat everybody the way that they should be treated. This was the kind of man who tried to treat them as God would, 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 would want them to be treated. Uh, this is the kind of man that was quick to forgive. And this is the kind of man who was a gracious man. He was right with his fellow man. But he was devout. This was his relationship with God. He was devout in his beliefs. He was not uh, just somebody who took the th uh, things of God flippantly, as we're going to be reminded in just a few moments. But he was right in his relationships uh, with God, with man and God. We find in verse 25 as well, he was waiting on the Messiah, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Often Christ, that was how they would we refer to him. It was, a, it was a greeting. It was a reminder of that hope. I think of in the New Testament how we are to comfort one another with the fact that Jesus is coming again. The, 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 the people of this day comforted one another that Jesus was going to come, that the Messiah is coming, and he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Say, so what was his purpose? He was waiting on Christ. He was waiting on the fulfillment Oh, what a lesson that is for you and I. What should our purpose be? Well, part of us should be waiting on his return, uh, waiting on the time that he comes to make all wrongs right. And he was waiting on the Messiah. The Bible then tells us in verse 25, the Holy Ghost was upon him. This is a, quite a testimony and, a, and, a, and an insight into the character of this man. He lived in a way that the Holy Ghost could be upon him. Uh, the Holy Ghost would empower, he dwells with us if you're saved. He, would, he empowers us. This is a man who walked in his relationship with the Lord to the point where the Holy Ghost was upon him. It was a very uh, unique relationship he had with the Spirit of God. We find also in verse 26 that this man had a unique promise. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This was a man who was up in years. This is a man who had lived his life. And he was told by the Holy Ghost, you'll not die until you see Christ. You're going to live 
See, why would, why would the Spirit of God do that? I don't know why all the reasons why the Spirit of God would do that, but here is another confirmation that the prophets' prophecies have been fulfilled. Here's another confirmation that this is the Christ. As the Spirit of God told this man, you'll not die until you see Christ. This is a unique promise. Um, you know, the, 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 the quick parallel that I would make with you and I, when we're going to be here as long as we still have purpose that God has for us. Which, which I want to remind you this evening very quickly, if you're here, it means God's still got purpose for you. God's still got something for you to do. You say, well, this man was just waiting on the Christ child to, to come. And, and we're going to see in just a moment, he was ready to go. But he was waiting for this to be fulfilled. You can be ready to go, as every Christian should be, and still have a purpose in fulfilling the plan that God has for, for you. And because of this unique promise, we find this was a yielded man. He was yielded to the plan and the Spirit of God, the leading in his life. Verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, uh, he was yielded to the Spirit. You know, God's made us a lot of promises through this book. They're going to be fulfilled. You and I should be yielded to his leading. Well, God, I just, I can't wait. God just had to fulfill it. Well, are you yielded to his leading? Are you yielded to his plan? Are you yielded? I mean, how crazy do you think his friends and contemporaries and others thought he was with the promise that he said, you know, God told me, I'm not dying until, you need to be careful there. I'm not dying until I see the Christ child. Uh, it's, it's a promise that's been made, and he was yielded to the Spirit of God. This is the man that we, that we this is what we know about this man as he is going to give this song of praise. And as we look at all four of these individuals of the next today and next week, I'm reminded that anybody can praise God. And all, all the situations are unique in their praise. And here's a man who's going to give a song of praise once he sees Christ. I love verse number 28. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said... Joseph and Mary walked into the temple and the Spirit of God, that's him. Can you imagine as that old man went and took the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, the Christ child, and held him in his arms and blessed God and said, Oh, friend, we probably should just have an invitation right there. Who we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. What we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, have you taken time to realize how precious he is. He's more than just a manger scene that we put out on the, the end table in the, in, in the living room. He's more than just a Christmas carol that we sing to. He's more than an occasion to exchange a gift or two. Well, have you, have you taken him figuratively in your arms and, and loved him and cherished him and realized what God has given you in the Lord Jesus Christ? To think about this is Emmanuel that we have. This is God with us. God loved us enough that he would come to us. Boy, I love that verse as he takes him up in his arms and 
blessed God instead. And we see in verse 29 through 32, we see this song of praise. And I'll, I'll give you some truths and some things I see in this song of praise tonight. Number one, that we look again at verse number 32. Look with me again at verse number 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I see the light and the legacy. We see the light and the legacy. I focus on the legacy at first, the glory of thy people Israel. Uh, we know that the Jew, we know that Israel is God, are God's chosen people. God had prophes- promised a Messiah to his people. God had promised that he would lead his people and guide his people and one day send the Savior to his people. That is the legacy of Israel. That is the legacy of the Jew. They are God's chosen people. And and God sent the Messiah to his people. That is the legacy. If you study the Bible and you study uh, the the prophecy of, of the second coming of Christ, you cannot remove Israel from the return of the Savior. You cannot remove God's chosen people from the equation. And God will deal with his people as they have rebelled against him and rejected him. But make no mistake about it. When Christ returns, he's coming to his people. He's coming to Jerusalem. He's coming to take David's throne. He's coming to fulfill those prophecies. That's the legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not all he is. Verse number 32 reminds us of what... Other passage of scripture tells us that he is a light to lighten the Gentiles. The Jew, the Israelite, the nation of Israel has always been aware of the prophecy of a coming Messiah. Now, sadly, as many of you will join me and we go to Israel next month, as some of you did a couple of years ago, we're reminded of the sad state the average Jew is in in the fact that they're still waiting on the Messiah to come. And blinded to the fact that he's already come. Blinded to the fact that Jesus is coming again. And that is the, he belongs, he, is a, he was sent to the Jews, but may I remind you that they've always been aware because of the prophets. The Gentiles have not always been aware of the prophecies of the prophets of old. But Jesus came as a light to lighten the Gentiles. He came as a light to make them aware of the Savior of the world. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is a Savior for every man? Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to pay for the sins of the Jew and the Gentile alike? Aren't you thankful that no matter uh, where you hail from today, and I thank God that all over this world, the sun is already uh, more than set and getting ready to come up again in other parts of the world where today they have already gathered together and read from the Word of God and, and heard from God in all kinds of nations and different languages. He is the Savior of the world. And we need to be reminded of that. And this reminds me that one reason the Jew rejects Christ is that he came also to the Gentile. Because if you study the Scripture, there's great lines of separation that they were to have. And 
In many cases, the Jew thinks that a Gentile refer to them and treat them as dogs. It's sad. It's very, very sad. And to think that Jesus would come and he would dirty himself with someone who is not a Jew, not part of God's chosen people, but I'm thankful that Christ did come for all mankind. There's the light and the legacy. Thank the Lord for that. Number two, we find in verse number 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. We see the revelation and the illumination. We find that thou hast prepared, there's been a plan for a Savior. Since the world was fashioned and God in his foreknowledge knew the fall of man, God planned to send his son. This is not something that just happened. This is not something that uh, uh, just uh, uh, Christ fell into. This is something, as we have already seen in the last few weeks, the careful fulfillment of prophecy and how this was part of God's plan. And, and let me just say, it's not God's plan for anybody to die and go to hell. It's not God's plan for anybody to die unforgiven. It's not God's plan for anybody to pay their own sin debt and to live this life not knowing that their sins have been forgiven. That's not God's plan at all. God's plan is a plan of redemption. No matter what man has done, the plan is redemption. That if man will just put his faith in Christ and trust in Christ and quit depending on himself or somebody else or just look to what Christ has done and believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection and that payment for sin, any man can be saved no matter how Horrible they think their sin is. Well, it's been God's plan. And I noticed the wording of the scripture which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Christ has not been hidden. It was never God's plan to hide Christ. It was his plan to make him known to the face of all people. Friend today, Jesus. Jesus is redemption. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus, in this world, you say, well, I reuse the Jews as, as an example. And even today, they, they, yes, they are God's chosen people. And there are promises and curses that are true in that book uh, because of our, uh, in, a relation to, in our relationship to uh, Israel and the Jew. And those are real. And those are God's chosen people. But, friend, they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're not getting to the, the Father any other way but through Jesus. And you take every cult, you take every false religion in this world, they have created another way but Jesus. They had issue with, with, with Jesus above everybody else because Christ is known. God made him known. Friend, if you're saved, you're saved because of Jesus. It's because he's made, God has made him known. We live in a world today when we want to push Jesus aside. The church is okay, just don't talk too much about Jesus. We can talk about the Father, just don't talk about Jesus. We can talk about religion, just don't talk about Jesus. For religion doesn't matter, it's Jesus that matters. It is Christ who is the focus. And it is God's intent to make him know. God's plan was always to make known that Christ has come. It was God's plan to always... It was always God's plan for the world to know 
that Christ has come. Friend, that's why we as a church, we cannot lose sight of the purpose of the church. I'm looking forward in the new year to teaching. I've got about 20 different subjects and topics with the church that I'll be uh, preaching and teaching. I'm excited about that because we have to stay focused. What is, what is our purpose? And I say this to us all the time. Our, our purpose is not to have a political revolution. Our purpose is to make known what God has said we should make known, and that's that Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus willingly went to the cross of Calvary to pay for the sin debt of all men. And if you'll look to the cross of Calvary, you can have salvation. You can have redemption. That's always been God's plan, and that's a challenge to you and I today. That's our purpose. Then I notice number three. We see in verse number 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. We see the source and the certainty of salvation. Spirit revealed to Simeon that this was the Christ child. Think of the context of this. This man Simeon who was known for his close relationship with God. He was known as a devout man. He was the kind of individual, when he walked into the room, people took notice of the fact that's a godly man. That's a man that, he, if we could say it this way, he checks every box, he crosses every T, he dots every I. That's a devout man who had been told by the Spirit of God, you'll not die until you see the fulfillment of, of all of these prophecies. You'll not die until your eyes see Christ. You'll not die until you see the Messiah. Oh, as he is in the temple that day and Joseph and Mary, and if you ever wonder about the deity of Christ, notice that the scripture says Joseph and his mother Mary. It doesn't say the parents of Jesus, Joseph and his mother, Mary. And he sees the child. He goes and gets the child, and he holds him in his arms. And one of the things he says is, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The Spirit, I wonder, I wonder if, 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 he, if Simeon, this man who had been told that he's not going to die until he sees the Christ child, I wonder, when he saw those newborn children, I wonder if he, he asked himself, I wonder, could that be the one? Could that be? The Spirit of God never gave him confirmation. But, oh, this day was different. The Spirit of God said, this is him. And he proclaimed with that song of praise, I have, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The Spirit revealed to Simeon that this was the Christ child. This is the salvation for the world. Oh, friend, let me take you back to that time when you first heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You first heard of the one who willingly gave his life on Calvary. I can tell you, as sure as I'm standing here, if you're saved tonight, it was the Spirit of God who said, this is the one. It was the Spirit of God who said, this is the way. It was the Spirit of God who said, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. The source and the certainty of our salvation. Friend, I, I stand here today and I'm confident that I'm saved. You know why? The Spirit of God has confirmed it. Through His Word... 
and the Spirit of God has confirmed it in my life, the Spirit reveals to us the source and the certainty of salvation. That's why we've got to continue to preach Christ. Say, well, people don't like it. Well, they need to hear it because he's the only source of salvation. Well, this would, this would change the world around us if we would grab a hold of, of, of Simeon's song and realize that, well, I just got, I've, how, what, how, why are you so happy? I've seen salvation. Well, how do you know it's the real thing? Because the Spirit of God has confirmed it. The Spirit of God tells me of it. The Spirit of God convicted me and pointed to Christ and said, He is the only way of salvation. It's the source and the certainty of salvation. Friend, if you're saved tonight, you know that you're saved. You don't have to wonder if you're saved. You shouldn't wonder if you're saved. There's certainty in salvation. There's confidence in the, as a child of God because of the source of our salvation. Man, if I was depending on me for my salvation, I wouldn't be very certain in that. If I was, if I was, if I was depending on a man dressed like a woman that they called father, I wouldn't be very certain in that. That's why they flock over and over and over and over because there's no certainty in that salvation because it's not salvation. Then I see number four, verse 29. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. He wasn't talking about leaving the temple. According to thy word. Simeon was an older man. He had lived his life. He had spent his life building a relationship with God. He had spent his life serving God. I believe based on what the Bible tells about Simeon when he got up in the morning, his main focus was God. His main focus was pleasing God. His main focus was serving God. I believe when he laid his head down at night to end the day, I believe his last thoughts were of God. His last thoughts were, did I please God today? Is there something that I need to get right with my God? And I believe this man did it over and over and over to the point as he crossed the paths with people, every man knew that well, I, may not, I may not agree with everything Simeon does, but he's gonna, he treats you right. This is a man who lives what he says he believes. He's lived his life in his relationship with God. One day the Spirit of God comes to him and says, Simeon, I know you've been looking for the consolation. I know you get up as we should get up and say, is this the day that the trumpet sounds? Is this the day that He's going to call his church home just as we should today. That is what Simeon did every day he got up. I'm looking for him today. Why would you do that? Because the prophets have said the time is coming when God will be with us. And today could be that day. Why not today? And the Spirit of God came to Simeon and said, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the fulfillment of that prophecy. You will not die until you see Christ. Simeon was at an age, and Simeon had such a relationship with God that I think he was a lot like Paul. 
And Paul described how he's torn between heaven and earth. There's still work for him to do here, but he longs to be with his Lord. I believe Simeon had lived such a life and he had such a relationship with God. He said, why don't I just, why can't I just be with you? Why, why, why can't I just go ahead and, and, and cross over and be with you? And much like Paul wrote, and he's torn and he wants to be with his Lord, but there's much work for him to still do on this side of eternity. And, and he wanted, and God said, no, you'll not die. You'll not depart until you see Christ. And then we see as he held that Christ, as he held the Christ child in his arms, and he blessed God and praised God, he said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. What was he saying? Your will's been fulfilled. Your word's been fulfilled. You have done what you said you would do. When Isaiah walked on this earth and he prophesied and said, that one day God will be with us, that has come to pass. Well, your, your word has been fulfilled. I'm ready to depart. Oh, we find in the life and testimony of this man that he was obviously comfortable with the thought of death. Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace. Let me die in peace. I can die in peace now is what he was saying. He wasn't talking about, well, I, just, I can leave church now. Some of you think you're going to die in church because I think I preached so long, but that's not what he was saying. He was comfortable with the thought of death. He was at peace with death because he had such a relationship with God, he knew death was the only obstacle between him and his God. And he had fulfilled everything that God had for him to do. And he was satisfied with the fact that God had kept his word. He was satisfied with the fact that God said, you'll not depart until I do this. And he was ready to depart because he was at peace with God. And he was at peace at what had been done with God's word and God's promises. He was ready to depart, having seen Christ. What a testimony, what a song of praise. Ready to depart because he had had such a relationship with God. He had fulfilled everything that God said he had for him to fulfill. There was a ready departure. He's a good example of Death not being something that we fear, but something we're at peace with because we know we have eternal life. We have eternal life through Christ. There was the ready departure. By conclusion this evening, we come to a conclusion of this message and the song has come to an end and we work backwards in that song of praise uh, this evening from verse 32 all the way back to verse number 29. But... After he gives this testimony of praise and this song of praise, we see the reaction in the following verses, verses 33 through 35. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Joseph and Mary were believers, but even his praise 
spoke to them and worked in their heart. And friend, your praise, your testimony of praise, you don't know what it'll do for another Christian. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Being, we'll call it, I'll call it a grouch. I won't call it being a Grinch, but I'll call it being a grouch. You know, that's contagious. Man, you can, I mean, I'm just in a great mood today, and you run into the grouch patrol. We're looking for everybody who has a smile on their face today. Man, isn't God good? He is, but... Oh, there's, there's no comma after. There's no conjunction after God is good. There should just be an exclamation point there. But you know what? Praising God's contagious too. Because when I give testimony of God and I start praising God and I praise the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know who likes that? The Holy Spirit likes it. And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit in you says, yeah, I like that. And the Holy Spirit in you says, I like that. And the Holy Spirit in you says, I like that. And the Holy Spirit begins to stir up inside of us as we praise God. And you don't know what when you praise God and you give glory to God, what it will do in the life of another believer. We find also in verse 34, read with me if you will, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. I want you to picture this with me if you can. They're in the temple, and what a whirlwind it has been for Mary and Joseph. And not fully, as best they could, but even, they're, 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 they're human. They have questions, they have doubts, they have insecurities. And if you study Matthew chapter number 1, you, you read of, of Joseph, and Joseph was a, certainly a good man and, and chosen by God, but you read of the, the, the struggle, inner struggle of trying to reconcile in his own mind what to do with this situation. They have certainly been surrendered to the will of God, realized the responsibility they had. And now they come to the temple, as was the custom, and there's Simeon. And Simeon comes to them and takes that child. And oh, begins to praise God. Oh, begins to give glory. I've seen the salvation. Before he gives that child back, he speaks to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of the meaning of Israel for a sign which shall be spoken against. This is the way I picture it. I believe his eyes are looking into Mary's eyes as he says, verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Fast forward, the day's going to come, Mary's going to stand by a cross. Mary's going to see her son 
nailed to that cross, knowing he's the Son of God and have every emotion that a mother would have. And as that sword shall pierce her soul, he speaks of the coming crucifixion of Christ. We're reminded once again in his praise of the reason why Christ came. The reason why he came to this world that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Friend, we find in the life of Simeon, we find a song of praise. I, we saw this morning with Zacharias, we saw a great man. We saw his song of praise. We see tonight Simeon, obviously a great man set a pretty high standard to follow. We see his song of praise. Next Sunday morning, we're going to look at Mary's song of praise, and that angel comes to Mary and says to Mary, Thou art highly favored of the Lord. She wasn't living a life like the rest of the world to be highly favored. No doubt, Mary... Now, let me just say, in case anybody's wondering about this, Mary need, needed a Savior as well as anybody. But she was highly favored of God. The point I'm trying to make is this. Is there a correlation by how close you, you are in your relationship to God, to your praise? Because if you're not... Spending much time with God, something tells me the praise isn't going to be where it needs to be. And if you're spending time with God, you can't help but praise. You can't help but give your own song of praise to the Lord. How quick. I, I, I think Zacharias, we, we know this morning, we saw that he, the Lord had taken away his ability to speak. And when he got that ability to speak back, what was the first thing he talked about? He talked about God. He talked about the, the coming Messiah. He talked about the role that John was going to have in preparing the way for the Son of God. And friend, the first thing that we ought to do, we have the opportunity is to give praise to our God, praise to the Son of God, and give praise. And that should be our testimony. That should be our life. Friend, when's the last time you had a song of praise? The closer we are to him, the quicker, the more ready we are to praise. This is how we know when a people are really in communion with God. Are they praising him? I promise you, if you spend time with God, you can't help but stop every once in a while and say, man, isn't God good? Man, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you about what I saw in his word this morning. Let me give you testimony about what he did in my life. And I think we ought, to, we ought to tell our testimonies more to people. Why are you so different? Why are you one of those Christians? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you where I was headed, and let me tell you the circumstances that took place. And I, I heard a clear presentation. For the first time, I understood what, what Jesus did and why he came and his purpose for coming and to realize that he would save me. 
Friend, we ought to have it. We have enough that we can praise him for. So let's praise him. Let's rejoice in a Savior who's come. Friend, this morning or this evening, can you think about when you got saved? You think about your day of salvation, but your mind can't go back to that time. You must ask yourself the question, has there been a time when you put your faith and trust in Christ? If you can think of that time, you should not need much preparation time to praise God, to give glory to Him, to give honor unto Him. Father, I pray tonight that you would...